So I'm sitting by the pool drinking my hot cafe mocha reading the Talmud the other day. Oh, yeah. And do your dirty work of going and complaining to yeah. somebody for you ain't going to happen. No. I'm feeling like the third bird dog. <laughs> you, you have baby. to be excommunicated uh-huh. out of relationship. And, and stuck in a basement. This message sucks. stinks. <laughs> What's There's it? explicit there right go. there. Welcome to the club of the initiated man. You better not be recording this or I'm never walking with you again. Oh, there we are. we got a sassy brunette. You know, do something. Do, do something. anything, but just don't sit there. Hey, don't you have something better to do? You've stumbled on the Invisible Humanitarian Podcast from Prince Edward Island on the east coast of Canada, where we discuss hiking, culture, life, theology, running, stories, West Africa, books, you name it. All right, welcome to the podcast. I'm Tom Marshall, and with me here is Andy Rayner. How are you? I'm doing great, man. What's going on today? Well, I finally made it back to Canada and Prince Edward Island. An American experiencing flying from east coast of Canada with Air Canada. Tell us how that worked out for you. Well, um, on the way to, we went, uh, I took a group down to Orlando, Florida. For? A conference called Exponential. Right. And it's a church planting conference. So uh, typically, you either fly to Montreal or Toronto, yeah, that's and the then only, catch another flight. It's the only way to escape the east coast of Canada. Well, actually, uh, we had others that came that were part of our group. Mm-hmm. Um, they came from Halifax, okay. straight flight from Halifax. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So uh, we made it to Toronto. There was a delay. Our first flight was delayed. Yeah. And so, as we're on the plane, and, you know, you can do the math, Uh we're going to miss the plane to Orlando. Mm -hmm. And so, this is uh, Friday evening, which means we're going to spend all day Saturday probably sitting in the airport (laughs) trying to get to Orlando. Well, we get there, we go through customs, we do everything. They held the flight for over an hour. So. There are, I don't know how many passengers on the plane that have been sitting for an hour yeah. waiting for the final four, that's us, that, that showed up, plus some other people that have been waiting. And so we made the flight. We arrived. So that that was the easy part. You're right. Then we spent a wonderful time in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to see my brother-in-law and and chat with him on the beach. Well, yeah, well say okay, emphasize beach. Okay, I I I just I, I went from like two and a half feet of snow to four plus feet of snow yeah. in the last. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna love the comment too. <laughs> um, so the beach there, just picture if you will, uh, clear blue water. Yeah, on a beautiful day that's sunny. <laughs> picture the the kind of the off white sand. And lots of sand and people everywhere. And they even had on on this particular beach, it was Venice Beach, Mm -hmm. um, they had a percussion section playing. Oh, wow. And so that was off in the distance. And so we're sitting there on the beach, uh, nice, beautiful sunshine, Um, not not exactly a warm day. I'd Mm -hmm. say maybe 21 degrees. Right. But no snow. Yeah. 21's that's not no bad ice. that's still kind of that's beach weather in the summer here even on a day it's like definitely that. beach weather here yeah. but for for where we were oh yeah it actually was you know it, like the canadians were in the water yeah no one else was <laughs> yeah and it would have been the gulf coast coast yeah. that so anyway 
uh, we were at the beach, and I asked uh, the, the, these individuals who I went with mm-hmm. what they thought of the beach. Because, you know, obviously our beach is here on the island. We do have some white sand beaches. Yes, yeah. But the vast majority tend to be more red because mm-hmm. of the type of soil, the red soil of yep. Prince Edward Island. H- high iron, iron content. Exactly. And also the dirt shirt, you know, mm-hmm. where they take white t-shirts and throw them in a washer with a bunch of sand Mm -hmm. and then they create these dirt shirts Mm -hmm. Uh, so anyway i asked the student you know uh, what they thought and well i like the beaches back home (laughs) you're kidding me man (laughs) they actually left Uh, early and sat in the van for maybe an hour because i was still talking with my brother oh my gosh leaving snow and couldn't take another hour or something yeah because there were too many people that was the other the other comment there were too many people gosh on the beach i'd enjoyed it (laughs) (laughs) my father-in-law would have enjoyed it (laughs) yeah no i would have been right there with you man i wouldn't have been pouting in the car that's That's for sure (laughs) here's 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 a wonderful story about my father-in-law that you'll appreciate that any anyone that's ever had a dad like this uh growing up you'll appreciate this story um my wife when she was the young girl she always wondered why when she was someplace where there was a beach and there were ladies on the beach mm-hmm. um her father would have her move 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 hold on take the picture but whenever she looked at the pictures she was never really in the pictures <laughs> But the pictures of the women that were by her. taking pictures of the beach babes. Oh, my gosh. That's so bad. That's awful. Well, you know, we used to do that trick in Africa. If we wanted a picture of something, because uh, especially where they're used to tourists, like in Amazon when we were in Ivory Coast was terrible. Everybody wanted money or whatever. Right, yeah. Even in the villages out there, like a rural village. You can't take my picture. You gotta gotta give me something. Yeah, or pay us for it or whatever. So I just never bought. I didn't take a lot of pictures. In Mali, they don't don't care. But uh, but in, in in uh, Bamako, the capital there, it's the same thing. You take a picture in the street, uh, especially around the markets and stuff, they get worked up. And uh, But that was a trick we used to do that worked really good in the village. And you know, we'd just pretend we're taking a picture of Milton or I when we were yeah. there with my wife and say, here, stand here, and you're shooting over the shoulder, getting what you really want. And the people in the background <laughs> don't realize that. Yeah, they you know, don't It's care. them. They don't care because <laughs> you're not taking their picture, right? But the moment you put the camera up with nobody there, Jay. Exactly. Yeah. Andy Rayner, international spy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the flight back. Okay. So this is the adventure. And anyone that's ever flown uh, this particular airlines will understand. Actually, uh, during a break today, we were having meetings this morning. A gentleman from Alberta um, was telling us a story that's even worse than what I experienced. So he's, he's basically got the granddaddy of all flight stories. Ours was basically this. Um, so we are going to fly out of Orlando after a week of sunshine and, and fine weather. <laughs> And we're going to fly out at 4.50 p.m. And so we arrive early because you don't want to be race racing through and yeah. being rushed and all that. Yeah. So, And also, you know, we had nowhere to go. We've kind of done everything, at least in, in the people that I was traveling in their minds. So we, we were there around 12.30, mm-hmm. but our plane doesn't leave to 4.50. Yeah. So we're there. Anyway, in the process of, of just kind of hanging around and getting settled well then the flight's delayed right then it's delayed and then it's delayed (laughs) so at one in the morning oh we're flying and we were like like we we could have had a whole another day in orlando we could have just 
done anything, you know. Yeah, well, you like from the time you got there till you left is like twelve hours. Yeah, it was twelve <laughs> hours. Yeah. So we end up in Toronto at four forty in the morning. Right. Uh, fresh as a daisy after <laughs> staying up all that time, and I knew because you know we live on Prince Edward Island. Right. You can't get there from here. So there's the backwater, then there's the backwater of the backwater. Right. And so what I found is we're in Toronto, and when we got off the plane, mm-hmm. there were a couple, there are three ladies there that actually work for the airlines that had all these boarding passes. All right, what's your last name? What's your last name? And so oh, I they said, had them all printed out for you. Yeah, they did. Oh, nice. Except for us, because <laughs> our flight to Prince Edward Island was at 9.50, I think, mm-hmm. and we didn't leave until 1, so our flight was so far into the past yeah. that their boarding passes were for things that were actually fairly close. Right. <laughs> and so we... I told the the lady that was serving us, like, no, ours was last night. And she's like, oh, well, you need to talk to the ticket agent. <laughs> so that's when you get to the ticket agent. And I will say the employees are wonderful. Yeah. Um, they have great employees, but I think the company is trying to make too much money, not getting enough employees as well as putting money into equipment and making sure that equipment works and stuff. Yeah. So we get to the ticket lady, and she looks at the screen. She goes, oh, that can't be right. I'm like, what? And she goes, well, they have you scheduled on a flight to Montreal, which already this immediately, no, I want one flight to PEI, not Montreal. I'm tired of flying. Mm -hmm. So a flight at Montreal, and I go, when is that? 11 p.m. It's 4.40 in the morning. 11 p.m. And they had us scheduled to fly to Montreal at 11 p.m. Right. For what after that? Exactly. And then from Montreal, we would catch sometime the next morning a flight to Prince Edward Island. The following day. The following day. Oh, my gosh. Why would they take you to Montreal? I have no idea. Well, I think what it is is, and I knew going in, Again, it's a backwater of a backwater. The flights that were going to PEI were already booked, so you have to go far enough. Yeah. So I said, do you have anything available to Halifax? Halifax is three hours from Prince Edward Island. This is more for the audience, not you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so I said, is there anything in Halifax? And this is the one thing I'm going to do one of these days, is I'm going to get a ticket that takes me somewhere. And, of course, when they (laughs) – have these snafus that happen in airlines well i can't get you to let's say kansas city because this happened when i went to kansas city once uh i was in toronto and like well you missed the plane i can't get you to kansas city uh can we take you to atlanta and i'm like atlanta's going backwards i want to go forward yeah and i said well do you have anything in las vegas you know or california she's like well yeah (laughs) i'm like I'm half tempted just to say yeah, take to my there. sister, I'll, I'll go to California and then yeah. I'll just miss the flight back to Kansas yeah. City because <laughs> I've always wanted to take yeah. a trip to California. Yeah. Oh man! And I'm just like one of these days I might I might do that just yeah. disappear. Yeah, just go where wherever they're willing to take you and just stop there, even yeah. though it wasn't planned. Yeah. Oh, that's a good so idea. anyway, they they had Halifax. <laughs> it was ten in the morning, so you just had to wait three hours. Yeah. Um, or so and. And then I had to rent a vehicle, 
at great expense uh, in order to drive three hours home once I made it to Halifax. Yeah, and to be here to introduce a guest speaker from from the yeah. United States at uh, at uh, Who the college took a lectures the next day. Yeah, and and almost beat me here. <laughs> yeah, left at the same time, but almost beat you here. Was that yeah, <laughs> we got it. We got here on uh, the island at five thirty, mm-hmm. and he arrived at nine o'clock the evening before. Yeah. Wow. So not the evening before, oh. but that that night. Oh yeah. But he yeah. flew that day. Yeah. I was, you know, the previous. So yeah. Gosh. That's my that's my flight story. No fun. But you know, it, it was enjoyable to see. Uh, the conference was enjoyable. The I found the beach enjoyable. Uh, visiting with my brother in law was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for him, it was it was rough because it, it was a year since his partner had passed away. That's that's tough. So right. yeah, yeah. How how old is your brother? He would be five years older than I am. Yeah, that's still tough. He's, he's the, sixty years old. Or yeah, a little, little longer. Yeah. So he's the, he's the older brother. Uh, Carrie's yeah. Carrie's brother. So yeah, it was nice seeing him, and and that's one thing you know I'm able to do now. Um, and next time I might not take if I have to take any young people with me again. Mm-hmm. I'll just say, you know, do you really want to go to the beach? Well, you better enjoy it, or I'm not taking you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we ate wonderful barbecue. Oh, that um, would be good. So Venice has some wonderful barbecue. Am- Americans do barbecue. Like you can't find anything like it in yeah. Canada. Like and and up here, if they have it, it's so dang expensive compared to the states. Yeah. Like you can go down to a barbecue joint down there and eat your. You know, you can get like like protein shock. Yeah, we for had twenty five like bucks. You know, pork and yeah. also chicken barbecue. Oh gosh, that'd that be was good. my meal and the and the cornbread. Yeah, sounds good, man. One of our one of our, our students that went along cannot have the the wheat and flour, and I said, oh. "What about cornbread?" Yeah, <laughs> you should check it out. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so what uh, was well? What was the most uh, insightful thing that 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 really kind of rocked your world when you're down there? What speaker and uh, and and what did he say that you went just the okay, new thing? I came here just to hear that. That was the main thing I had to hear. Two two things. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Hugh Halter. Because I, you know, I like his radicalness. Yeah, um, I do too. You know, like this no nonsense. He was a breath of fresh air when he uh, published a Tangible Kingdom back in two thousand and seven. Yeah. It was funny because I read that book and I think I told you about it and other people about it. But it was like ten years later before anybody started. Know, yeah. around here started knowing Hugh Halter, and uh, it's like, oh my gosh, you guys, you know, this guy's brilliant. And uh, but it took ten years for it to filter up to the East Coast. So the new idea, and he said he's. he's talked about the, the tippets mm-hmm. a cistercian uh monk yeah order where they saw that they are not being a burden because we're talking about church planting and mm-hmm. stuff and you know how much um you know there there's another gentleman i chatted with and you know 1.6 million uh it's kind of what they're facing on the East Coast if you're going to start a church plant and like have four. Or five. That's American dollars. Yeah, American dollars. So you're talking two two million Canadian. Yeah. Well, yeah. even even a Canadian context uh, mm-hmm. chatting uh, with someone, you know, they were talking, you know, it's maybe three hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that uh, you know, Andy, you and I both talk about is you know, there's got to be a cheaper way of doing things because there's a lot of money that goes into this. And, you know, the apostles didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Two hands, two feet, what was in their head. Yeah. 
Um, so the, the new lingo down there was covo, co-vocational. You know, you need to have yeah. something more. Anyway, well, the why, tip why, is, co- why, why not bivocational, covo? What's, what's the difference? I don't know. It's their terminology. It was uh, the terminology okay. that's kind of popular right now. Okay. So Hugh was talking about the tippets, and basically they looked for a need within the community, and one of the needs that they yeah. saw uh, was beer. And so they became famous for brewing, brewing, yeah. brewing their own beer. And therefore, they were able then to be self-supporting. They weren't relying on other people. Mm -hmm. And basically what I'm getting at is, and and this is what Hugh, his point of the workshop, we can't afford church planning because it's very expensive. Yep. And if you think about the amount of people that you have, even if you have, let's say, a church of 400, you know, there's a lot of money that went in for each person and... Uh, he gave an illustration about you know one of the, his his partners uh, for consulting. They were talking to this church, and and so his buddy's like, "Well, what's the cost per person for you know what you're able to do, and how many are coming, and you divide that by the amount." Yeah, and it was very very high. And so the the elders of this particular church asked, "Well, what you know what was the cost?" for yours and and he did some figuring he said about 26 cents yeah and and so the idea is you got to find a way to support yourself Mm -hmm. um that way you're not you know you're you're sharing the gospel so let's say if you want to do a coffee shop which is what they have in alton have a coffee shop it should be self-supporting and you know as he said and i like this you got to become good at business. Mm-hmm. God's going to help you by helping you become good at business. Because if you have a business that's sustainable, then you can start focusing on the ministry. And the ministry, the gospel, is free. Mm-hmm. And that's what I – because I agree with that. Yeah. I, You know, um, there is that sense of, you know, yes, I, I am working in an industry – where, you know, in ways and in all the arguments of a worker's worth. But in ways, you know, the God, you know, I, the gospel's free. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I, I mean, I, I understand and I appreciate the idea of a coffee house and stuff in business. But see, when I hear that and go, you know, like, oh, but okay, well, I need to start a business. And to do see see that scares me is I'm not an entrepreneur, yeah. <laughs> so so I mean but but on having on the side of that bivocational well I am bivocational right I I, I was yeah. I was part time ministry and supporting myself free free at a exactly. church plant uh, completely supporting myself you're just doing and, it because yeah. and that's and that, that's the mentality yeah yeah so like and the freedom that comes with that. You know, uh, I was sharing, yeah. I was sharing that uh, somebody messaged me something and, uh, and it was actually good. They messaged me because I had put some quote on the line and, uh, online and they, and they said some comment. I took it as antagonistic and, uh, and I, I totally misread the situ- situation and my response was rather curt and, yeah. and, and to the point. And then I, you know, they just, you know, they sent me a private message and said, well, that's not what I meant. Yeah. And it's like, I, well, I said, I just owe, owe you an utterly, uh, an utterly absolute apology because because I totally, absolutely, yeah, this totally is what I took from it. misrepresented, uh, you, you know, what was in it. So I said, please sincerely forgive me because that that, that was just yeah, not Yeah, now that you it. clarified. Yeah, and uh, but it was interesting because, uh, because you know, or he got talking about some of the struggles. He's down in the States and, uh, the, you know, with the churches there, we got talking about things and... Uh, 
And, uh, you know, and, and one of the things that I said too, was uh, I said, I, I have a greater freedom now than when I was ever in, in paid pulpit ministry. And I yeah. love pulpit ministry. I like, I never, I never, I never, I, I can't look back and say as a church used me bad. And, and I, you know, and I didn't appreciate what I learned and the, and the experiences yeah. I went through there, you know, there were, there were, you know, there was challenges, but I mean, it was overwhelmingly positive. And I'm very grateful to the churches that, um, you know, where I served. But having said that, um, you know, there are certain things that when you, when you accept a paycheck, uh, you are obliged to, to, to carry out ministry as they see fit. Yeah. Like we're not those mega church peoples where they're their own boss and they're deciding for themselves what to do. See, see, they don't even understand that most people in ministry, they, they don't have that freedom because they've created their thing and they're the CEO. Right. So they're, they're deciding their own schedule. And most churches, not them, it's a church yeah. board or a leadership yeah. and saying, hey, you know, uh, the, yeah, the members want you to do this or we feel you should be doing that or the former minister, we've done this for 40 years, you should, you know, you, you need to be doing in this too we don't have a choice over that and not that any any of those things are bad but uh, but you know even in part-time ministry i mean there's certain things that that i valued and saw as very fruitful that they absolutely didn't have any interest in whatsoever and then all but a lot of this busy work that was just uh, cre- recreating another thing that was just to rehash something else yeah. to offer in the hopes that somebody else would show up at church and of course they never did and uh and you know what uh oh, the day you take you stop taking a check uh, you 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 do you are no longer responsible to have a certain portion of your time uh, be invested into stuff that you consider an absolute waste of your life. Yeah, you know you can do and, that what you think is the greatest. Yeah, exactly. And so and that doesn't mean that everything I do is right and everything a church does is wrong. But I mean, uh, I I had to stop accepting the paycheck in order to serve in a way that that uh, that that uh, that that worked with my my conscience. And with my convictions, because uh, there was continually things that, 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 uh, you know, churches wanted me to do that I felt was an absolute spinning of the wheels and wasting uh, your time. And, you know, you, you know, people say you can hang in there. You got to hang in there and change it from the inside. Well, I did that for 20 years and, uh, and, and, you know, some things uh, changed and some things were positive and some things were good. Um, But, but other things, you know, what? you know, there's, there's churches that I left and uh, no, am no longer part of that are still doing the same thing today as when I, I, I left 15 yeah. years ago. And is that a criticism? No. It's just like, you know, I could have wasted another 15 years, but three other ministers yeah. went through and they weren't able to change it. So, yeah. you know what? I look back and go, you know what? Sometimes you just got to say, you know what? I'm going to support myself. Yeah. And, uh, and Lord, uh, you know, uh, lead me, convict me when I do it wrong, punish me or whatever, <laughs> you know, I don't mean that in a bad way, but bring people into my life to correct me, give me other perspective. And it's not about being a lone wolf. It's, it's just, it's just free to strip it down to, to the more yeah. essential things. Well, I, I really did like, you know, he was talking about, you know, the community where Hugh lives, mm-hmm. it's a poor community. And one of the things that they did was to purchase some land, uh, cheap, fix up the places and then rent them out so that is kind of a self-sustaining and it allows people to have a decent place to live but also it's supporting itself Mm -hmm. and the idea of putting into the community yeah which you know we don't think about we're always trying to think what can i get for myself and Mm -hmm. it's more of a a selfless that you know well you know if i need to work then i should do this on the side but Overall, let's put investment in the community. Let's yeah, build yeah. something that everybody can use. Everyone can use, yeah. and it benefits everyone. And yeah. I think that idea—I like it. 
is is kind of a yeah. that was that was one idea that I really liked. Another one I had a chance to to ask Shadonki Johnson, mm-hmm. who's from Sierra Leone, yeah. and and this is before the meeting, uh, so we were just kind of sitting there, and I thought, you know, hey, I just question. I'm kind of curious. We said, uh, Shadonki, you know, I've got a friend, you know, in the context of of Mali. Where do you think you know the the fetishes? You know the little things the animus wear. Um, those that don't know, like if you want to get pregnant, you would get a colored string, and you would wear the string on some part of your body. Mm-hmm. So that's a fetish, and so it's a belief that if yeah. you do this, yeah, these 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 inanimate, inanimate objects uh, can be empowered by yeah. spiritual forces of some kind to bring results. So I said, you know, how easy is it then? For that to kind of fit into, you know, the Muslim context of Islam. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, very easy. Because mm-hmm. in a way, it's, you know, it, it has that perspective where if you do this, 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 and this, then you're guaranteed this type of kind of result. And uh, he said one of the problems is people never really took time. People from mm-hmm. uh, other countries took right. time to understand the context and the implications of stuff. And he, he gave the illustration of... Uh, what they see is a man that's polygamous, mm-hmm. but that polygamous man who has, you know, four other wives, well, uh, this tribe over here, uh, one wife is the key daughter of that leader. This tribe over here, that daughter is a key person, so it's it's more it's more like treaties. Yeah. <laughs> and and so he said, um, when you're in that context, especially as a Westerner, you know, and not trying to understand, well, all you see is the polygamy. Mm. But if you're really thinking of gospel and you have your four wives and, and 40 kids, what you got is a church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a whole lot of connections to other villages. <laughs> exactly. And so he said, you know, yeah. when you start thinking outside – yeah. Uh, the Western context, yes, that person is polygamous, but to to rip apart that which is there in a way is also ripping up. Yeah. Because then you have this tribe over here thinking, oh, so now something bad's going to happen because mm-hmm. he has sent back my daughter. Yeah. Um, and then another connection that he also made, again, that most Westerners miss out is uh, he said, you know, in the mind, uh, there is the great God, and they have the term for the great God. But he's so far up that you can't just approach the great God. Yeah, so yeah, he's out of touch. Yeah, so over here you have this unique-looking rock sitting among the other rocks, or over there there is this tree that just stands out from all other trees. Then obviously the great God has put that rock or that tree there so, you know, that is how you can come before the great God or how you um, kind of intercede, you know. And I said, so that's very much kind of Catholics with Mary. <laughs> and he's like, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And so having that, just, you know, asking a couple of those questions about culture, mm-hmm. society, and, you know, a, a group of people uh, who just think differently. Yeah. And... And what's powerful of, well, how could you? And then I mentioned uh, 
you told me the story because he said you know about stories and mm-hmm. stories are great importance and stuff and, yeah. and i said yeah andy had mentioned there was a story of a peace child mm-hmm. you know where one tribe kind of like the the daughter one tribe gives a child to the other tribe and that's you know it's a peace child and he goes oh yes yes mm-hmm. and you know i think half the time our problem and this is, I found that just, one, it was fun just to chat with him and, and yeah. hear his perspective and, and also come back and be able to, hey, Andy, guess what? Yeah. Well, you want to give, I know this is kind of maybe a side story, but on, on the on the polygamy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, in Ivory Coast, we, we dealt with that because, see, in Mali, polygamy is legal. Uh-huh. In Ivory Coast, polygamy is not legal. Uh-huh. Okay, they only recognized your first wife. Just the first one? Yeah, you can have as many as you want traditionally, yeah. but you can't legally marry more than one. And uh, and uh, anything after the first one in, in inheritance rights doesn't count. Yeah, so okay. it's just the kids of the first one. Yeah, so, uh, but anyway, what, what was interesting, see, we'd be in the bush where polygamy is still practice, and we run into that issue, what do you do? And, of course, Milton and I talked it over, and Lou, Lou Cass, and we just said, you know what? <sighs> we're going to let we're going to let the holy spirit work that out. if they yeah. if they if they in conversations with their wives whatever feel they just need to go their own ways and they keep one you know and then the problem of which one do they keep is it the first mm-hmm. one or the one they favor the most the prettiest one the youngest you know what i mean like this opens up a whole can of worms and then there's and and then when you when you when you uh send those women back to their families they're a disgrace uh, they're a mm-hmm. disgrace to the family. You know, sending a woman back is a big, a big cultural message there. And anyway, and it, it causes tensions. And really, we wanted to avoid the church becoming known as the family breakers. Because, yeah. I mean, we value family. We value marriage. We value ch- children and, and stuff. So we just said we're going to leave it with them. We're going to just teach teach what God's ideal is. And, and yet, for the newer Christians, who like the, the next generation kids, like for the, yeah. for the guy that has a polygamist now, we're, we, you know, we're, we're just not going to address that. Uh, but his children who are growing up in the church, we're going to say, you as a Christian and raised in a Christian home, now marry one woman. And, uh, and that got us into, into so much criticism from the other men. Missionaries, because yeah. uh, I'm not going to because they're staunch because yeah. they have this no. this Western mentality. Yeah, they, of, you you just you just tell them to get rid of the rest of all they, the things that God is doing in a person's life. It has yeah. to be this one thing. Yeah, yeah. So they they put a hard rule on. They just thought we were these liberal hack missionaries, which is fine. But anyway, uh, we actually had a free will Baptist. Uh, a pastor come and talk to us one time, and he said that that was a, a position of their church. And I'm not going to tell you which country it was in. And uh, but anyway, he was talking with us one day, and he, you know, he asked us our perspective on it, and we explained it, and he actually felt good. He said that's good because we. He said the last thing we need is to be no, known as the family destroyers. Well, yeah, you know, and, and a lot of these women end up becoming prostitutes to support. And that's themselves. not good. How is that no. benefiting? Anyone? Well, anyway, what they did in their church, he said, uh, he said that the policy is you keep your first one if you're going to become a, a Christian, you keep your first one, get rid of the rest, or you can't be a member of the church. And uh, he said, and he says, but they're in the church. And we said, well, what what did you actually do? He said, we just say when the missionary's here, you only talk to one wife. You introduce your first wife mm-hmm. as your wife, and the rest of you ladies just sit back there and just just pretend pretend you're not his wife and uh, <laughs> make the missionaries happy. And uh, and you know when they're gone Sunday afternoon and they come back in six months again, we'll just carry on as usual. Yeah. That that was the actual practice. The pastors got together and were doing under the nose of their missionaries and yeah. their missionaries in the entire country didn't have a clue 
That makes sense. So, I mean, hey, yeah. I was talking to, this is years ago in seminary, Elijah Gonsana. He's Casa. Yeah. I, I, the click. Yeah, they got the click Casa <laughs> yeah. in South Africa. And, and he said, because his dad was a chief, mm-hmm. uh, which explains why he was in the West, you know, going to school and stuff. Right. And yeah. his father's way of doing it, and it's a cute story, was when the missionaries came, he looked at his one wife, you're Presbyterian. Looked at his second wife, you're Baptist. Looked at his third wife, you're yeah. Lutheran. Yeah. And Elijah's mom, you're Christian church. There you go. Covering all these bases. Eh? <laughs> he did. And so whatever missionaries <laughs> yeah. were there, well, that became that. And so yeah. they then became representatives for him yeah. to each one of those. So so between Adonke or, 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 uh, and uh, – Shadonke Don Johnson. Yeah, him and uh, – and, um, the other guy you mentioned, a Hugh Halter. Yeah. So, so when you came back with these two being the most insightful for you, and so what did you, what do you bring them back to me at PEI? What, well, what, 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 do we, PEI what do you was, and I need to do to start churches here or reach people for Christ? I think we need to make disciples. I yeah. think I think we need to build relationships. Yeah. Um, I think the Holy Spirit needs to do its thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to you know put an effort in in into fasting and praying um i know that there's a lot of groundwork yeah that goes into stuff um one thing i did pick up from bill hall's workshop is if you don't have tension Mm -hmm. um you can't grow spiritually right and so you can create tension most people, though, you know, because you don't have time to wait for that life crisis. Yeah. So there are ways to kind of create tension to help people, you know, grow and and, and stuff. Yeah, I agree, because as long as they're content, they never see any need exactly. for change. So, yeah. you know, a classic example of anyone that's taken university courses is you sign up for a course, and at such and such a point, you're going to have to take one of those things called an exam. Mm-hmm. Well, that's tension. And so you're forced to perform to a certain level. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're talking about my students, you know, uh, memorizing Matthew 5 or Matthew 6 or Matthew 7, which is about discipleship. You know, Dan Clymer's the one that introduced that to me, and I pass it on to them. Well, the tension is you need to memorize every word and every punctuation in Matthew 5. Mm. And it's like 1,265 points, you know. For those uh, forty-eight verses, and so that yeah, you you have to force yourself, um, and you know developing. Uh, this was in in the message, uh, developing that spiritual life, and mm. you know Peter Cazero's book, the emotionally healthy leader. Yeah, you know where, you know if you if you don't have a healthy life. Well, you're only going to take people so far, as Jesus said, you know, no disciple is above their teacher. And so if you're not tuned in, well, then they're not going to be tuned in, mm. which, I mean, really calls into question. So spiritually, this is one of those areas which we've already been talking. Mm. You know, yeah, I think I need to up the ante, you know, mm-hmm. put some tension in my life uh, where, you know, make more changes. Um, yeah. Because I have a taste you know, of some things that, hey, you know, when I was forced to be in these situations where I'm really leaning on God, 
you know, well, it's been a while since I've been in that situation because I'm not Mm -hmm. there physically, but maybe add some tension and saying, because I I really Mm -hmm. do want to develop that inner inner life. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that, you know, you talked about that quiet, having a real Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Because, you know... I, I think I think it's a balance. Well, I shouldn't say a balance, but you know, both in that we're we're, we're trying to uh, create a, a more balanced, healthy person. Yeah. Both on on our, our well, this book that we're going to well, probably physically get it, and be, spiritually, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Um, you know, in in our in the balance of work life relations, like what's the balance there? Yeah. And and just you know, I think the biggest thing is like you know, we've made a commitment to where we're working more on our on our, on our personal spiritual disciplines. We want to be emotionally and spiritually healthy people and uh, but but we're we're still in this process of of learning how to to be friends to uh and i don't use this word in a bad way like a pagans or like unbelievers or people who who are not on the on the journey we are because they don't think like us they don't go they don't they didn't grow up with the same experience they don't go to church and and you know they don't they don't uh, their activities aren't being in church three days a week they do something else for a life and now we're trying to fit into what is what is a relationship with people like that and and we've been cut off from it so long and uh you know and and just trying to trying to get into their world not be be their world but but learning how to make friends with people who don't have the same views the same priorities the same necessary the same spiritual yeah. level you know it, it's it's not easy man I it's mean, not and know? i like for myself i think just the spiritual growth and, and drawing closer to god I long for it. I like mm-hmm. it. And and when I'm in the zone, if you will, I know it's a rotten way of saying it, but when the Holy Spirit's really doing his stuff and and you know, you're you're on target. I mean, just the just the sense of of purpose, mm. joy. Yeah. Is so much more than yeah. just you know the the slugging through life and Yeah. Yeah. You know, anyone listen to this like if if you feel that life just is just this wheel that goes round yeah, and yeah. round and round. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that you're missing, obviously, is God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like a friend of mine, I guess you can, you know, choose to do this over here. Um, but it's only going to give you so much satisfaction well, until the newness wears off. See, what I, what I love about God's kingdom is is uh, it pulls you out, outside of yourself in your own little community existence, and it reminds you that, that you can plug into something that God envisions to transform a whole world. It's so much bigger than ourselves. We're living for so yeah. much more than just me and paying my bills or whatever. Yeah, because I mean, if you really think yeah. about it, I mean, we live a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to have jobs to live. Some people, you know, we were we were in Florida and I took a, uh, I, I just wanted to see where this one road where we would only go so far and where did it go? We end up going by a Mormon temple. Mm. Uh, actually, it's where the Arnold Palmer Invitation. Um, this Mormon temple is very close to the Arnold Palmer Invitation, so on. Okay. Sunday, if they were watching television, they would have seen the Arnold Palmer Invitation. Okay. And so when we, I said, well, that looks like a temple in the distance because it had that look about it. So we drove up there, and it, I mean, we're talking some expensive homes, and yeah. there's money everywhere. So we turn to turn around at the temple. The, the students that were with me are like, oh, my gosh, how much money? Because they had fountains with water spouting. They had flowers, like decked out flowers, not just one or two flowers, not yeah. just a single row, not, not <laughs> two rows, not three yeah. rows. 
we're, we're talking at least maybe a three foot swath of all these petunias i think mm-hmm. and then you have the the sparkling white of the building mm-hmm. the manicured lawns the beautiful trees and you're like holy smokes <laughs> and there are cars there and i said well would you like to stop in no no yeah. <laughs> turn around turn around <laughs> but anyway you see that and you see the people around there and you know how does one afford something like that and so mandatory tithe of what 30 percent or something i think in the mormon church it it is well i'm just talking about just the neighborhoods and and you know the the nice cars and and how much money you know you have to earn in order to yeah i can't fathom that in that that location (laughs) yeah and i mean when you when you get about life and and one of the things that you know we were kind of talking about at another time is how can you share a gospel with mm. someone who, I mean, let's be honest, it's not only do they have a car, but it's a very nice car. Mm. And, you know, the nice car is almost six figures in itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you have a home that, you know, who knows how many yeah. million yeah. the home is for, and its location is in a very posh neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, you you go out to the most select restaurants, and you know, as if we're waiting in the airport in Orlando, I kept walking by the 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 uh, the special club lounge. Mm-hmm. So if you have Diners Club International, or you have you know all these different club things, like how much is a membership so you can have that special space rather than the lesser people who are just in the average rows of <laughs> yeah. of stuff, and then you have the first class crowd. You know, how much does a first-class spot, you know, cost on an airplane? Yeah. When space becomes the premium, it's amazing, you know, how much the price really goes up. Yeah. And, you know, and then I'm thinking of then there are those that don't travel on commercial. They have the private jet. You know, I'm thinking of the, um, oh, what's his name? The famous, uh, uh, oh, uh, he, 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 Berkshire Hathaway's. Hmm. Um, you know, he has a private jet now, but he also made the, the the statement, though, everyone in his company that needs, let's say, if they're traveling to China. So when he goes to China on the private jet, the jet, their private jet is filled with people that need to go to China to do business stuff. Right. And I'm still thinking, you know, who do I know in business that, you know, has the private jet so I don't have to go to <laughs> the airport and have to put up with them come in late yeah two days later yeah so there's always that side like for me it's the travel i would love to be able Mm. to travel without having to go through airports Mm. you know and the screening and all that where you have to take off the shoes the belt you know nothing we'll never be that guy tom just we'll never be get over it man (laughs) the closest we're going to get is maybe a chariot ride with a light exactly at the last minute on the way in (laughs) it's just like you know there's a part of me like you know i need to get rid of all this extra stuff and maybe a monk's you know where you have your bed your table yeah you know and and you have your spoon and your cup that's pretty much it your bowl (laughs) and but yet i want to travel on a private jet (laughs) quite quite a difference who is the minister guy that uh, said he had to have a private jet because god told him in in revelation uh, we'll just call him the fool i don't know what his real (laughs) name is but we don't care and we're not going to give him free advertisement (laughs) god says you need to send me ten thousand dollars yeah there's demon well you remember what his answer was he said there was demons on on public uh, public airlines 
lines that would torment yeah, him. Yeah, and, and so tear he had to pray. Ministry, so yeah. he had to fly on his own sanctified jet, I guess. Or I, I was like. praying, please let yeah. this flight end. Oh yeah. Well, you know, you know, the, one of the questions I, I, you know, when it comes to discipleship and all this stuff, though, and change and transformation, uh, and I wrestle with this because, see, it's it's not a question that we can answer about ourselves because. It's the wrong the wrong place to get the answer, but you know we or I think one of the biggest focuses that that I want to be is I, I want to be the sort of person that when when I call people are glad to hear I call. Yeah. Um, when I show up, um, they don't walk away because they don't want to talk to me. Uh, you know I, that I want to be the sort of person that that I, that that I'm the encouragement. I'm I'm a source of joy. I'm a source yeah. source of blessing and encouragement. I don't want to be a discouragement, and I and I and and I don't think I'm that person. And uh, and the other thing is too is you know and I think this get, relates to you know why we do this inner inner work is the more that we can can be viewed as not as the fixer but just as a person who who is kind is the encourager uh, you know you go away not having feel like the life is sucked out of you you yeah. you, you go away feeling like this person has been good to me and yeah. good for me and there's that and uh you know and 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 then uh i guess the other side of it is 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 uh you know like what what is what do they see in my life they go gosh i i want what he has yeah and and uh and like i say and can we we can't answer that question for ourselves we can't say well i'm there or i'm not there i suppose but we could probably have an indications when we're not there but i don't think it, humility would ever allow us to say okay well I, i'm i've finally got to that point but i think that's what i you know in order to be a good disciple maker is the character development in me is is they're glad to see see me when i'm around Mm-hmm. Um, they're not repulsed they're drawn and and that there's enough depth and character in in me uh, you know and and enough light of christ so that yeah. you know that they understand it's christ um that that when they're ready to ask those questions they're ready to ask me because they know that's that's who i am yeah there's and a, that's a what it stand camaraderie for. there's a yeah. closeness so i don't know if i measure up to that i i i'm not even going to try to answer yeah. but you know i mean that that's a you know well, who who of us, if we're humble, I suppose, could ask those two questions and go, "Oh, I'm do, I'm doing okay." So <laughs> the fact that you asked yeah. these two two questions, you know what I mean? I suppose we're putting ourselves <laughs> down, right? But uh, but anyway, I don't, you kind of sparked. Uh, I'm just thinking of you know what would my guess my utopian society look like <laughs> and you know which i don't think one as long as we have human beings we're not going to have a utopian society <laughs> really yeah i got that oh, from scripture yeah. uh, i'm not sure where just maybe the whole bible yeah um but what i don't know like i would love because i'm thinking of like you know uh, hugh was talking about the tippets and creating something that is self-sustaining mm. uh I don't know. I, I see I see a community where I think, you know, like raising raising the food, raising mm-hmm. the meats, you know, um as as one thing where you know, people are are self-sufficient not in the oh, look, I'm self but like in the sense where you know, you're you're allowing God to feed you. Mm-hmm. Um because you're you're using good practices, you're not abusing the land, you're putting back into the land. You have that biodiversity. You mm-hmm. have the ducks and and the geese and chickens and you know and you're creating a a ecosystem where there's plants everywhere. Yeah, 
and you know it's not a monoculture and but also in that in that community you you know you have people that care for one another you know i don't know i i see some of that where communal living type thing is, is no, that, no not communal. No, like everyone no. has their their space yeah um because when you get to the communal living sometimes well even you know any experiment usually some people get overboard yeah and they lose it and yeah but or other people end up becoming romantically involved and it causes a bunch of yeah problems and, and so that's where yeah, you know you the communal can, stuff has a tendency to yeah i'm strange. not talking communal but yeah. like where where you're investing in your community and there is a, a level of community responsibility mm-hmm. where you can visit certain towns where you know they care and other towns are like they don't care. Yeah, they don't even know who lives nearby. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I heard a definition of a Pentecostal the other day. They said a, a definition of a Pentecostal is somebody that can register and pay a hundred and fifty dollars for a conference across the other side of the city on how to reach our city for Christ, and they drive by the eight neighbors next door to them that they've never met on the way to the conference. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? That's good. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, you know, I'm not making fun of Pentecostals, yeah. right? But that was a Pentecostal who said that about themselves. Yeah. And uh, we'll pay a hundred and fifty bucks for a conference, but we won't spend a hundred and fifty bucks to exactly do something to. Another one was, I guess, it was nowhere. you know they, they had uh, Andy Stan. His son's a comedian, Andrew Stanley, mm. and he was fun to to listen to. Uh, probably the funniest one was he talked about how his dad cared so much uh, that you know he didn't you know he didn't want his sons you know watching something that's inappropriate, mm. and you can't have that because you know that's bad. And so he would burn the 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 disc on his computer and get the editing software. And, edit the movies, edit out the sex scenes, and then, you know, redo it, reburn it on another thing and put it on, you know, his son's uh, whatever that, you know, computer component <laughs> that he's going to watch the movie. And so he had these these movies. And, of course, his joke was, of course, it took him four days to do it. So, yeah. so you know, you're watching that Titanic, but there's no sex scene in the <laughs> Titanic, and you got the jerky motion, and you got yeah. this and that. and. He goes, you know, that's just one of the joys of, of having a dad that's a famous preacher. Mm. Then I realized the other day, this is Andrew talking. Yeah. My dad has on his computer a file with every sex scene in every movie that I watched as a teenager. <laughs> he watched every sex scene himself. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm i just thinking, so I've been looking for that file on my dad's computer. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No, surely to goodness. Yeah. Surely to goodness he didn't save all that stuff. That's awful. What a, only a comedian would think that way. Exactly. His preacher dad. And then oh, he's God. like, whenever his dad beats somebody, Yeah. oh, like so and so's divorced and this is not good and, yeah. and his dad's like well okay and mm. he goes no like come to me like i need material <laughs> like, your life yeah. sucks like come to me <laughs> it takes time to come up with mm. this stuff but if you got it already made well then mm. my job's easier well can i tell you a story that happened at the yeah. lecture this morning is it just a short one and it may sound trivial and trite but it kind of touched me um there was a lady there you know we we had a speaker this morning uh, he was mm-hmm. he d- 
doing some good deep stuff. And then yeah, Les Harden from from Johnson University, Florida. Yeah, and uh, we studied the aspects of the Shema and, uh, and yeah, and in what, Hebrew, Greek, and and English. Spanish as well, and Spanish. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're talking about prayer. We had discussion groups afterwards, and there's this older lady. She's got to be close to late eighties, probably closer right. to ninety. And uh, anyway, you know, and some of the they wanted us to discuss various aspects of prayer. And uh, you know, this lady said, when I first got married to my husband, I said uh, he used to he used to he uh, you know he had the habit from his family. He said that uh, he got on his knees and prayed before he went to bed every night wow. on his knees on the side of the yeah. bed. And she said, you know, my family prayed every we I prayed every night too, you know. But she says that was really strange for me. And they were from, probably from the same church, like they were probably all evangelicals or right. you know something thing like that and uh but she said he'd get out and pray and and i remember sitting there in bed and i wouldn't do it with him and i was thinking geez that's strange and uh and then she said you know finally i decided you know what if he's going to get on his knees and pray before i go to bed i'm going to get on knees my knees beside him and pray before i go to bed Mm -hmm. and she said you know what i noticed she says as long as i was praying on my knees beside him at bed in the night we didn't fight very much but whenever i any time where i stopped kneeling beside the bed with him she said we used to fight a whole lot more isn't that amazing now that's i thought that was uh and she and she said i don't know why that is but i'm just telling you that was my experience about that well i think it's true if it's in with the closer each one gets to god the closer closer they get together yeah yeah i think so too so yeah Brings them all. Well, anyway, I guess we're going to end it. It's been 51 minutes Wow, joy and happiness of something. Yeah, well, I know you're worried. I think we're kind of dragging on this podcast today, but hey. Well, we've we've been here, there, and everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. And for all those that are listening, I highly recommend uh, the next time you need to fly somewhere, Air Canada. We'll get you there. In what piece? WestJet or Porter Air from Moncton. <laughs> so, anyway. so anyway, that's out enough for today. This yeah. is Two Birds Dog Podcast, and we're very thankful for Nathan and and uh, Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah. I thought it was Jeremy, or is it not Jeremy? I yeah. haven't done this. In a Light while. it up and run. Light it up and run. <laughs> it was the name of their song. Yeah. Anyway, well, anyway, we want to thank uh, Jeremy and Nathan Outhouse. No, Nathan and Jeremy. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I'm thinking Jeremy is Nathan and Nathan is Jeremy. (laughs) Yeah. It works either way, man. They're they're part of the same band. Anyway, as I... Hide and timber. (laughs) As I I edit edit this out one more time, we are very thankful for Nathan and Jeremy Outhouse for giving our song today. So, see you later. Rabbi Shammai was approached by a guy who's asking the exact same question. And nobody tells the story that the Talmud says that next... Shammai beat the man with a stick. <laughs> what circumcision? <laughs> yeah, first time I asked mom it? what a virgin was, and all the adults in the kitchen yeah. went silent. But what kind but, of surgeon? Uh, a rocket surgeon. Very excited about that. <laughs> we want you to be our rabbi. Well, okay. Rabbi Herding. Jesus told me I'm not to insist that men call me rabbi. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you still here? You must be a real sucker for punishment. Thank you for listening to the Invisible Humanitarian podcast today. Check out our website at theinvisiblehumanitarian.ca or check us out on our Facebook page. Please subscribe to us and leave us a good rating on your favorite podcast subscriber. And please, whatever you do, tell all your crazy friends about this podcast.